0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Simple Man's Guide to the Good Life. Hope everybody had a good holiday if you're uh, out there celebrating Thanksgiving. This uh, episode, this is going to be a fun one for me. Um, You know, the title of this is Changing Our State. Um, This is fun for me because the way I view my life, both from a physical element and a mental and spiritual element. I just view myself as an experiment. That's, I've kind of taken on that idea of myself really the past two to three years, but I've been doing it subconsciously, maybe unknowingly, the better part of my 20s, and I would even say in my teens. I just really like to try different and new things, whether that's new diets, whether that's new workout routines, whether that's new meditation practices. Like I just like trying new things, especially when there's research behind it or there's all these people saying they're getting great benefits. I like, okay, well, what's this look like for me, right? And being in kind of this experimental mindset with myself. And it's led to some really cool discoveries. It's led me to fall back on a lot of uh, common themes and principles that keep coming up throughout different things I try. Um, you know, for diet, for example, I've tried many different diets. For me, the principle that seems to work best is a more high protein, high fat, low carb. Doesn't necessarily mean no carbs, right? But I've experimented with both high carb and low carb diets. Um, and I found that for me, right, in experimenting with those things that I seem to do best on a higher protein, higher fat, lower carb diet. Um, but that comes from experimenting. And also, you know, at different times I go back and I try something new, right? And I might try something as hardcore as carnivore or something like that, right? Uh, different meditation practices, whether that's, um, you know, Zen Buddhist meditation, meta meditations, walking meditations, like trying different things there. Um, All this to say that I really view myself as an experiment and that's led to some really cool discoveries in different areas. And the one we're going to talk about today that really I'm a nerd about and it makes me giddy and, and it's fun because you can feel the immediate effects on your body is our state. So let's clear up some definitions, but I'm saying our state, our state of being, what am I talking about? I'm talking about this culmination of our emotional, psychological, and and nervous system health at any one time, right? For example, um, I wake up feeling tired and that leads me to be More judgmental and annoyed during out during the day. So my nervous system state is run down tired um, and Psychologically, that's causing me to You know be easily irritable or reactionary um, And there's that you know vice versa. Um, I feel really energetic really zoned in I feel really refreshed and I'm happy and there's a pep in my step, right? Well, nervous system-wise, you feel really fresh. You feel energized, recovered, whatever you want to use for that word. That's more of your nervous system. And then psychologically, emotionally, how that's representing itself, you feel really focused, zoned in, and you feel really happy and joyful, right? It's kind of a culmination of all these things. And it doesn't always work like that. I'm sure many times maybe we feel like we're really recovered. We feel really energetic, but maybe we still, psychologically, we're in a bad mood for whatever reason, right? It's not always A plus B plus C equals D, um, but it's an it's a equation of these, these kind of three things is what I'm talking about today when we're talking about your state and how we can change your state, right? This is the big thing. I think most people in modern society think that the outside world is in control of them, right? That any situation that you're in is going to control the state you're in, right? S- something outside of you happens. Right, let's say it's something bad, something undesirable. Well, of course, then I'm going to be annoyed, angry, etc. We're at the whim of the universe. I just don't adhere to that philosophy. I find that we are in control of ourselves and actually how we decide to perceive the world around us and how we react to the world around us. And we have so many tools at our disposal to immediately change the state we're in, in any given moment. Easy one we can talk about is just, and this is one that probably everybody listening to does or has done. You wake up, you feel tired, what do you do? You go to caffeine, right? We all go to coffee. That's changing your state. You wake up in one state, tired, groggy, didn't get great sleep. You're choosing to ingest a substance to change your state. You now have more energy, right? Now you're at baseline. Now you're the, now you can talk to me, right? Don't talk to me until I have my coffee. That's changing your state, right? Um, you know, vice, vice versa. At nighttime, you're anxious. Your mind is spinning. You can't seem to fall asleep. You reach for ZMA, melatonin, marijuana, whatever substance to calm you down, to help you relax. You're changing your state, right? We're in control of these things, right? And we have tools. Now, in regards to what I just summarized there, what I just went over, that was the use of substances, right? And I would argue that in modern society, that's the main way that people change their state. And it's the main way that people think they can, cha- they can change their state or like the only way they think they can, right? Um, because society as a whole, and especially in the Western world is all about capitalism, selling things, right? Substances. And I'm not here to demonize substances. I I definitely think they have their place for sure. But unfortunately, I think in modern society, especially in the Western world, when we say, Hey, we want to get more energy or, Hey, we want to calm down. Most people's brains go to, what can I take for that? What pill can I take? What liquid can I ingest, you know, what, dr- what a drug can I take to change the state I'm in, right? Um, and I'm here to talk about today other tools as well as substances. So let's break this down. When I'm talking about changing your state, I see it that there's kind of three buckets things can fall into, right? There's an internal mechanism of changing your state, that's bucket one, bucket two, is an environmental mechanism to change your state. And then the third one is substance mechanism, right? The one that I kind of just went over. And we'll go over more detail at the end about the substance mechanism and where I think it can actually play a really big role. But I'm more interested in mechanism one and two. And the reason I'm interested in mechanism one and two is a lot of people just don't understand the tools that they have at their disposal just with their human body without even needing to buy anything or ingest anything to change their state in a moment's notice, right? So let's kinda talk about each bucket. Bucket one, internal mechanisms that we can use to change our state in a moment's notice, right? The first one is gonna be one that many people hear about, right? But I don't think many people have ever really tried or given opportunity to, and that's your breathing. Your breathing, in my opinion, is one of the most effective ways to change your state, especially when it comes to your nervous system. And when we're talking about your nervous system state, we're talking about that fight or flight or that rest or digest, that sympathetic versus parasympathetic state. We're never really 100% one way or the other. We're always working in between, right? It's a spectrum. And a lot of that is controlled by our breathing and by our gas exchange. I'm not going to go super in depth with this, but just understand there's a part of your brain called the amygdala has something called chemoreceptors in it. Um, And when CO2 gets really high, it can push us more into a fight or flight state. right? Whereas when CO2 is low, it can keep us a little bit more balanced, more in that parasympathetic nervous state. There's a lot more to that. That's not what this podcast is about. But just understand there is an actual, again, internal mechanism at work here to dictate whether we're going to be fight or flight, really reactionary, really on edge, or more calm. And it's all controlled off your breathing. So that's a powerful, powerful thing. If I know, okay, physiologically, there's an actual system inside of me to control my nervous system based off my breathing. Why wouldn't I want to leverage that, right? Well, we need to have knowledge about this, right? But there are so many avenues out there, breathing techniques etc. and I think when people think breathing they always go to okay yeah you can use breathing to calm you down. You can also use breathing to get you jacked up and fired up, right? But nonetheless, breathing is a great one and I'm not going to go oh super in depth about different breathing practices in this episode. I could do an episode on breathing. Um but you know, there are What's called up regulating breathing practices where you're breathing very quick. If anybody knows Wim Hof, Wim Hof is one of these, right? Where you're getting a lot of gas exchange, you're really getting a lot of oxygen in, a lot of CO2 out, you're really up regulating the system. And that gives you a lot of energy, it can increase your metabolism, all of these cool things. It can give you a lot of energy very quickly, right? And then, yes, vice versa, there are, are calming breathing practices, you know, long extended inhales with pauses and long extended exhales with pausing to really regulate get a lot of co2 out and really balance the system but all that to say you know i have found for me personally that you know in the morning doing like a really intense upregulated breathing practice for three to five minutes gives me as much or more energy than caffeine does and it's free it's fun um, you kind of feel high at certain times, you know, um, and it works, you know, and it's just leveraging physiology for that. So, breathing is one, and probably the most powerful one when it comes to internal. That's why I talked about it first. Second one would be meditation, right? Um, you could say like silence for this one, sitting in silence, quiet, alone time, and a lot of time breathing, and this goes hand in hand. Most people do their breathing in silence, or vice versa. Most meditation incorporates some style of breathing, but being alone with your thoughts, which I know is scary for a lot of us, but a lot of us need it. There's a reason it's scary because you're not addressing shit you need to address. Take some ownership there, people. Um, But that can be very, very therapeutic and for most people, relaxing, right? I find that most people have a hard, if you have a hard time falling asleep, like my mind just doesn't turn off, it's because if you look back at your day you didn't have really any quiet alone time you didn't have any time for your brain to speak to you to work through the things it wants or needs to work through and the only time it finally gets is when you lay your head down on the pillow and it goes oh hey bud look it we're here time to think about all these things you go i just can't turn my brain off well one of the best ways to regulate this state of being on edge being anxious before bedtime is finding moments throughout the day for some quiet alone time or reflection or meditation, right? Meditation doesn't have to be this formal, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to, oh, it doesn't have to be that. It can be that. It doesn't have to, though. It can be just anything where you're spending quiet alone time. It can be driving in your car with the radio off. It's allowing your thoughts to come and go and letting your brain and your subconscious work through what it needs to without being distracted by work, kids, Instagram, all these all the inputs right and i had a podcast about sacred silence when you get rid of all of the inputs the only thing left is your thoughts and then you're allowed to work through those let them go write them down if you need to and then when it's a lot easier to calm down there's an actual study that just came out that meditation is as effective as antidepressants for working through depression and anxiety, right? That's powerful stuff. And again, that's without needing to take a drug, a pill, anything. It is a internal mechanism. It's just sitting with our thoughts. It's sitting in silence, right? So, these two things: breathing and and sitting in silence, meditation, mindfulness practice, are two of the most powerful internal mechanisms we have to kind of change our state, right? We have Breathing, which can really do both, can give us energy, make us feel better, make us feel more focused, vice versa. It can calm us down, help us sleep, et cetera. And then meditation, right? There's some others I'm sure that I'm not thinking of, or that at least for me in my life, haven't really hit as hard as these two, but these are kind of the two that I think internally we can really work through. And you could probably put journaling in there with meditation, That's another great kind of internal mechanism that can, again, if you're somebody that's on the more anxious side of the spectrum, you're more in that fight or flight state a lot, being able to write out all the stuff you're thinking about or all the stuff that's coming up down the pipeline that's making you anxious can be another great way to change your state from this like fight or flight, on edge, anxious, to helping you calm down, right? And these are practices, meaning they need to be repeated. Practice is something that's repeatable, Right? So we need to continue to do it. If you do it one time, it's not going to cure, quote unquote, any of these things. It's daily practices, right? They're rituals. So that's kind of my internal mechanism of changing your state bucket. We got breathing, meditation, and maybe like journaling, right? Alone with your thoughts type of thing. Second one was environmental mechanism. Now this is another great one. A lot of this stuff is going to be free. And this is right we've kind of been given as humans these internal mechanisms to control our state and then through evolution we've been paired up with nature to naturally change our states over the course of a day weeks months etc right and a lot of these have to do with our senses our body is very reactionary to the senses it has to be we're animals right so one of the big ones is light manipulation So if anybody's listened to Andrew Huberman, you already know where I'm gonna go with this, right? But our eyes, our sensory input with light is a huge determinant about whether we're gonna have energy or whether we're gonna feel lethargic and tired, right? Our body has gone through evolution to have energy and be productive with sunlight and then wind down and be more relaxed as it got dark, We've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of years as a species evolving on the plains without lights, without anything. The only thing we had to work throughout the day was the sun. And now in modern society, we have kind of junk light. You know, we have these LED lights and all this kind of stuff at nighttime when our body is going, wait, I thought it was nighttime. I thought we're supposed to be going to bed. And it can really throw off our circadian rhythms, right? But we can leverage light to help us feel one way or the other. So again, if you're somebody that in the morning, you wake up a lot of the time, you're lethargic. And again, if you've heard Andrew Huber and you already know where I'm going with this, getting outside after maybe you've done a breathing practice. See, now we're leveraging multiple things here. And getting sunlight directly in the eyes has been shown to upregulate you, to give you energy, to set your circadian rhythm to where you're gonna have more consistent energy through the day. Because again, what you're doing is you're telling your body, hey, It's daytime, right? We're setting our clock right now. Let's get some energy going and let's get off to the races. And then vice versa, this is a big one and one that I've been doing the past month or so, more than a month maybe, is nighttime, right? And obviously this is gonna depend on your lifestyle, your work schedule, et cetera, but once sundown starts happening, what I've been doing is I've turned off all of my overhead lights at home, right? most days out of the week i am able to be home by the time sundown starts to happen there's two or three days out of the week i can't and i just do my best with it but all my overhead lights are off i have a lamp or two that have edison bulbs they're warm lights right they're more yellow and orange and then i have candles right these aren't big blue lights they're not very bright Right? So the way that my eyes are interpreting these lights and taking in light is a lot different than those LED lights, fluorescent blue light. I'm not getting feedback that, hey, it's still daytime. And what I found is my sleep has improved immensely. And I'm somebody who already sleeps pretty well. But by the time I'm getting ready for bed, I'm, I'm very like, I'm yawning. I'm ready to fall asleep. I lay down and I just drift to sleep very easily and I stay asleep. And I notice a difference on the nights that I can't do this. And I track this on, on the nights I can't do it, my sleep always is not as good. And again, that just has to do with light manipulation. So through light, I can energize myself during the day. And also same thing, if you're finding yourself during the middle of the day kind of having that midday slump, make sure you're getting bright light in. Right? If you're in an office or something like that, maybe go outside and take a walk and get some sun in your eyes or try to get into a brighter place because again, you're gonna cue your body that, oh, it's daytime, we need to be awake and working here. Right? Um, and then at nighttime, if you have the opportunity, keep things dim, right? Keep it dark, candles, warm lights are fine, Edison bulbs, things that are more orange, yellow, and um, color are not gonna keep you awake. Right? Your, your brain is not going to be cue that it's daytime, right? And so now that's going to help you calm down and relax, right? So again, we're changing our state based off of our environment, based off of light. Okay, so those are two big ones for environment. Another one is um, temperature, right? Another one that Andrew Huberman talks about, I'm just framing this differently about changing our states based off of environmental mechanisms, but heat and cold, Right? Again, our body is meant to work off of temperature as well. So we know, research also just makes sense, right? Um, That heat and cold affect our bodies differently, whether it's gonna give us energy or whether it's going to uh, calm us down, right? Um, What has been found is that when your body goes to an extreme of heat, so say a really hot sauna, what happens is your body, after you get out of the sauna and you're done with your sauna session, Your body compensates by cooling itself down past the point of its baseline. And we know, again, through research and everything like that, that when your body temperature drops, you fall into deeper sleep. You relax a lot more. You're pushed more into that parasympathetic state, right? In the moment while you're in the sauna, you're definitely in a sympathetic like fight-or-flight state. But your body, again, it compensates afterwards by pushing it way back on the temperature spectrum to actually below its baseline usually and you end up relaxing a lot so anybody who's ever experienced sauna in the moment heart rate's probably really elevated you're probably decently awake and then even the immediate like hour or so after you're probably pretty energetic but what you'll find is as the hours pass you start to get really tired really relaxed and then if you ever notice your sleep that night it's probably really really great right Um, and so extremes of heat can help us in the long run really, really calm down, right? Really relax. Vice versa, extremes of cold, right? We get into extremes of cold, your body does the opposite. It compensates by trying to heat up way past the point of baseline. We know that's gonna give us energy right? Thermogenesis goes up. We're burning more calories. Just think about when you're hypothermic, your body's doing everything to survive. This is why people out in the cold end up losing so much weight if they're stranded or or whatever, right? And so we know that if we, this is why people will take cold showers. Maybe, I don't know if they know this is why this is a thing for energy, but it works. It will help you wake up. It will help you have more energy throughout the day. So again, let's just talk about routines. You're somebody who is Maybe trying to kick caffeine or trying to find new ways to get energy in the morning. All right. Wake up a little bit earlier. Do a quick breathing practice, Wim Hof, whatever it is. Go outside if you're waking up around the sunset. Get 10 to 15 minutes of sunlight. Maybe go for a walk while you're doing it. Come in. Take an ice cold shower for 5 to 10 minutes. And try to tell me you don't feel immensely energized immediately after that and a good part of the rest of your day, right? And do this multiple days in a row and see it compounding on itself, right? Vice versa, if you have the opportunity, if you're somebody that needs to calm down more, downregulate your anxious thinking, whatever it might be, right? Try to get some sauna time in. Try to think about your, your light and your screen exposure uh, after dark. Are you sitting on computers? Are you looking at bright screens? Or is there bright lights all the time? right Are you having quiet alone time during the day, meditating, journaling? Add those things in, right, and see if that doesn't help improve getting you away from that sympathetic nervous system state. Calm you down a little bit, get you more pushed into the parasympathetic nervous state, right? And the beautiful thing about these things is every day is different for us, right? We can have these tools at our disposal in a moment's notice, right? Say you're really anxious for a presentation you're giving at work. Right? Instead of popping a Xanax or something, you can, if you have an opportunity, sit in silence for 10 minutes, do a down-regulating breathing technique, journal about why you're so anxious, right? And again, are these things gonna take you from I'm 100% anxious to now I feel no anxiety? Of course not, right? But it will kind of bring that down a little bit. And the cool thing about all of these is the more you do them, the more effective they become. Unlike a lot of drugs, where the more you do them, you have to do more of them, right? That's the beautiful thing. Like nature has given us all the tools we need to function a healthy and thriving life and change our states in a moment notice. But modern society has unfortunately bastardized this for us. And we just come become out of touch with these tools. It's not taught to us. Breathing is never taught to us. Meditation, all of these things. A lot of times it's demonized or, you know, oh, that doesn't work, that's Eastern medicine. These things work, guys, right? And all it takes is for you to try them, experiment, find what works for you, find what doesn't, and put them into practice, right? So anyways, off on a tangent there. So environmental bucket, right? Um, Last thing I would say is food. What you eat can really impact this. And this part's kind of hard because it's gonna be different for everybody. But in a nutshell, if you're looking for like quick amounts of energy, high energy, like carbohydrates are gonna give you energy. And depending on how close to just a pure form of sugar it is, the more energy you're gonna get. I have honey straws that I will have like just straight pure honey when I'm in the middle of like an intense training session and I'm starting to feel run down. That's like cocaine to me. I've never had cocaine, but it's to, at this point for me, I feel like I could run through a wall when I just have a little bit of honey, right? That's me, right? But for the most part, carbohydrates and the more kind of just simple sugars they are, the more energy you're gonna get from them in that moment. If you don't use that energy though, it will crash you. And then proteins, for the most part, are probably gonna make you feel a little bit more lethargic, depending on how intense the protein is. Like a ribeye steak, if any of us have ever had a big ribeye steak, or we've gone to a Brazilian steakhouse, right? You get the meat sweats and then you feel just really tired. Again, guys, what's the parasympathetic nervous system state called? Rest and digest. So when you're eating something that's really not hard, like I don't, meat is not hard for your body to digest, but it's just out of the three the hardest. And especially if you eat a lot of it, a lot of protein, your body and your nervous system is gonna be like, hey, time to take take a seat. Time to sleep, like we need to, we need to spend our resources to digest this and get this absorbed for you. So if again, if this is also like, I'm not gonna go super deep on this, but if you find yourself more on the sympathetic nervous side, sympathetic nervous system side of things, look at your diet and see how many carbs you're having. And I'm just gonna say, play around with it. If you're somebody that's anxious, you know you have this, look at how many carbs you eat in a day and maybe play around with eating less and see if that helps, right? And increasing your protein. If you're somebody who, vice versa, during the day, you feel like you're getting slumped during the day, look at your food intake. See if you're eating more of a high-protein diet in the morning, like for your breakfast, like a lot of eggs and bacon and stuff like that, or like your lunch is a lot of protein, and mess around with that. Try something different and see if that helps. It might not, but my guess is it would, along with all these other things. Um, So, food can be another one. Food can really impact our state. Okay. Those are the two that I really care about. The third bucket we do have to talk about, substances. I said earlier, I'm not here to demonize substances. I use substances. What I am here to say though is I think we have an over-reliance in Western society on using substances as our first line to change our state. We're anxious, we're nervous, we take, again, I said Xanax, right? We can't sleep, we take melatonin, we smoke marijuana, whatever it is. Um, in the morning, I'm tired, I'm lethargic, caffeine. Middle of the day, I'm tired, lethargic, caffeine. When I just listed off all of these other things we could do. Now, here's the thing. If you do all these other things, then substances can come into play and they can actually really increase and aid you in other ways. But I think unfortunately most people haven't even tried these other tools I've talked about and they've only relied on substances and then when they try these tools of course at first these tools probably aren't going to be as effective as some chemically made up compound in a lab and they just scoff and they throw it off and they go I'd rather have the compound but like I said earlier the more you use those tools and practice them the more effective they become to the point where they do become far more effective slash healthier for you that's a big one no side effects on any of those ones. Um, then the drugs are the substances you're taking, right? And then the cool thing is, is then you can use some of these substances when you really need them or really want them to take you to like a superhuman level. I'll give you an example from me because again, this is my story. Caffeine has been something for me I've played around with so much in my life. I went from never having caffeine through my teens, even my early 20s, and then got really into caffeine in my 20s and i love coffee now and i'm a big coffee guy And i've gone through different stages of like no caffeine little bit of caffeine nitro cold brew that has 350 milligrams of caffeine every single day and what i found finally worked for me and has worked really well is i do like the taste of coffee so i drink decaf coffee because i like the ritual of it it's cold out now in texas it's hot. It's, I just like the ritual of it. Um, and sorry, guys, my computer kind of like turned off there. Anyways, um, and I have decaf six days out of the week. One day out of the week, I will have a full-blown coffee, sometimes nitro, so I get all of it. And I choose to do this on the day I know I'm going to go really heavy in the gym or it's going to be some crazy day where I, I need to feel like I need to run through a wall. And that's the beautiful thing. Now, because I've downregulated regulated my um, tolerance to caffeine, when I do have it now, it's doing what it's supposed to, which is making me feel superhuman. Caffeine was always meant to be something through societies, Arab countries where it came out of, to be something ceremonially to kind of make you feel superhuman. And then of course... People love how they felt on it, so they just started having it every day. And as all everybody knows who's listening to this, when you have caffeine every day, it takes you from not feeling good to just feeling normal. Where now I'm taking it and I'm feeling good to now I'm feeling real good. Like a superhuman. I'm going to run through a wall, right? And some people will be like, oh, well, I, I can do that too. I just need more coffee. Okay, at the expense of what? So yeah, 300 milligrams of caffeine doesn't do it anymore, but I'll feel that way at 500. You think your kidneys like that? You think your heart likes that? Of course not, right? So again, not demonizing caffeine. Instead, I'm choosing to use it for how it was intended, which is a substance to make me feel superhuman. I use all my other tools during the week. I have an upregulated breathing practice I do every single morning, right? Um, If I am able to get up around sunrise, I'll go out for a walk with my dog and take in the sun, I'll have decaf coffee and then I'll do all of those things and have normal coffee on the day I need it. And let me just tell you, you don't want to be around me when I have that, right? I feel amazing, right? Um, Same thing with sleep, right? We could go to sleep, right? Most people will, like I said, reach for melatonin, uh, marijuana, whatever it is. If you have all of these other practices in place, you should be getting great sleep probably, or at least good sleep most more often than not. And then what will happen is, is if you're not using these substances every day or very sparingly, the whatever, the night that something tragic happened or you're just having a really hard time, now when you take that substance, it's actually going to do its job and really help get you to sleep, right? But again, we know the problem with substances is the more you take them, the more you have to take of them for it to work. And we know 99.9% of substances have some sort of side effects and the more you take of them, the more side effects there's gonna be. So I'm not here to demonize substances, I'm here to like, let's think about substances in a different light. Let's try to use them sparingly and then if we need to use them, they'll work the way they're intended to because I don't use them every single day, every single night, It's, it's here and there when needed on an on a needed basis, right? Alcohol, right? Oh, I need that for social social lubrication. I just need to have a drink in my hand. Anytime you you're like I need it, the substance is now controlling you and you're not in control of the substance, right? And I'm just I'm a big control guy. I like to know I'm in control. I'll choose when I want to have said substance so it helps my life, not I need this thing, right? All I'll say around substances is if you've never experimented with taking a substance out and just seeing how you function without it and then adding it back in, just I would choose one, and if it's a medication, don't do that, right? Um, but you know, more of the benign substances, try it and just see what happens. And if you're scared to do that, I think that means you need to take a deeper look into yourself on why that is, and that's a whole nother topic. We shouldn't be scared to experiment with things and just see what happens. If you're scared, it's probably because you know deep down what's going to happen and you're scared of that. You're scared of the outcome of knowing that like, I know this isn't good for me and then it's going to prove to me it's not good for me and then what's that say about me? And then you're adding value judgment to that. That's not great. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent. (laughs) So substances, in my opinion, should be the last bucket, the last line of resort. You should have all these other things in place and practices you're doing before you resort to substances. Substances should be there. I think they should definitely 100% be a part of somebody's arsenal to change their state, right? But I don't think it should be the go-to. And that's where I I just think it's an inverse of thinking we need to start having in modern society. What can I do inside of myself or through nature or, you know, yeah, through um, my environment to manipulate my state before I reach for said substance? Are there things I can do before I do that, right? And I'm not getting into changing your state as in like psychedelics. Like I'm not talking about that, although you could get somewhat into a psychedelic state based off of really heavy breathing and meditation. It is doable. I've done it. Um but of course, it's not gonna be anything like doing shrooms or anything like that, right? Think about what tools you could use to manipulate your state day in and day out to what you want before reaching for the substances, right? Like breathing, pre-workout. Oh, I gotta have my pre-workout. Well, have you tried doing like a really big upregulated breathing practice and maybe like a five to 10 minute little pre-workout meditation to get your mind right? Why don't we get that down first? And then, right, the the days that you really feel like you really need to be a world beater, now have your pre-workout. And now you're combining all of these things to make you superhuman, right? And on the days you're just doing the breathing and the meditation or whatever, Notice how good you feel without needing the pre-workout, right? So a longer podcast today, but this is something that I'm really passionate about is finding different ways to change my state, to make me feel happier, more energetic, fall asleep easier, more relaxed, whatever, through practices and things that have been around for thousands of years that we have access to without the need of substances. Again, do I still use substances? You're damn right. Caffeine, use it kava root use it as a replacement for alcohol alcohol still have very sparingly but i still will have it um marijuana do i use marijuana again very sparingly and i use it specifically as a ritual type thing for digging deeper into my subconscious like i have i have a why a deep why behind all the substances i use and i think if you if you listening um were to ask yourself, why do I use all the substances I do and is there a deep ritualistic meaning behind them? If there's not a deep kind of more ritualistic meaning behind it, you should again ask yourself, am I in control of substance or is it in control of me? Again, zero judgment here on substances. Not here to judge that or the use, your use of them. I'm just here to say like, let's play around with things, right? Um, And let's ask questions and let's see if maybe those substances can't be used in an actual better way to serve you more. All these things should be meant to serve us. We shouldn't be at the service of them. And again, I just think in modern society, like many things, we've kind of turned things on their head. And uh, unfortunately, that's led to some bad outcomes. So I guess a homework challenge to you guys is to try to think about your daily practices and if you can add some of the things i've talked about or come up with your own through light manipulation food uh, meditation breathing etc and then also look at your relationship with whatever substances you're ingesting and ask yourself can i experiment with these and try something different here just get into the experimental experimental mindset you're your own experiment you shouldn't get locked into one way of living and be like this is just how it's going to be the rest of my life like should always be trying to optimize and and live a thriving life and play around. Who knows what you could find about what works for you. So that's your challenge this week. Go out, play around with these things, and see if it can't aid you in living a more thriving, fulfilling life. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got some tools from that, some maybe different ways to think about things. And uh, hope you guys have a great week playing around with that stuff.